Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Where do Houstonians travel the most? Plus, a major update regarding victims of Winter Storm Uri. And we're trying to pick our Houston Person of the Year. Producer AK Al Moment joins me to talk about these stories and more. It's Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. I'm Riho Ramzanli, and here's what Houston's talking about. AK, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, getting ready for the holidays. I know, and you're going to be traveling here pretty soon. So I want to start the show with this really cool story that I saw in the Houston Chronicle. They took data from all over and calculated that 82% of all trips taken out of Houston were by car, 17% were by plane, and then of course, 0.34% were by rail, which I, I don't know, when was the last time you took a rail to go anywhere, right? But some of these trips, here are the top places where Houstonians went that were over 500 miles away. Do you want to take a guess at some of the cities that we went to? I would assume like New Orleans had to be top of that list. New Orleans was not on top of that list. I think New Orleans is uh, within 500 miles. Oh, okay. So even further than New Orleans, maybe California? The Los Angeles area was number three. I would say... Somewhere around the coast, Florida, maybe? No, shockingly, the coast did not come in. That's what I thought, too, that maybe somewhere in Orlando, Miami, that would be somewhere in like the top three. But no, Denver was number one. How about that? Oh, Denver, the top non-local destination included Denver. And then also the Chicago area was number two, which that I can understand. I don't know why we love Chicago here. My fiance loves Chicago or my future wife <laughs> loves Chicago. Yeah, she, she's gone three times in this past year alone. So she's contributing heavily to them stats. <laughs> yeah, see, Chicago, for whatever reason, we love it. And uh, I like going to Chicago. I, I don't hate it. I just don't like going any time after October and before April. Okay, because that's the coldest part. I don't want to be there when it's cold. It's miserable. But you brought up New Orleans, right? Check this out. New Orleans actually was one of the top destinations when you're looking at cars. Uh, 550,000 trips to the New Orleans area. Austin had over 4 million <laughs> trips. Yeah, College Station, 3.5. You would expect that, right? Because you got a lot of people not only going there for business, but you also have a lot of students from this area that live in those areas. Yeah, I actually feel like it makes sense for everyone to go so up north. During our summer heat, I'd assume people would want to flee to go somewhere a little yeah. cooler. And then, yeah, I'm in New Orleans, Austin, like diehard. Uh, every chance I get to get in my car and drive for long miles, I will make it either out to Austin or if I have a few buddies with me, we will do the trip to get to New Orleans to just walk around French Quarter. And those trips are mine. I am contributing to those statistics uh, heavily. That is so cool. Hey, in this show today, by the way, you and I are going to pick our Houston person of the year. Okay, so that is coming up. But first, I want to get to your biggest story. And this actually has a lot to do with traveling. I feel like it has been 
the constant bane of our of our life in Houston for the past couple of years now, since we've come out of quarantine, since we've been locked in, is to realize that all of our highways, seemingly, everywhere we go, we see construction. And I was reading this story from the Houston Chronicle uh, that seemed to indicate that some of those woes might be over, but I'm very, very skeptical. Uh, the, the US 290 rebuild, uh, the I-69 and Loop 610 interchanger, those should be done pretty early or midway through 2024. But I don't know if that's like a promise that a lot of people can get excited for uh, because we still have so many projects coming along. They might have been able to slightly fix the most congested freeway segment in the state, which is that Loop 610 to I-69 interchanger uh, around Texas 288. But like that doesn't really change the fact that we still have a massive I-45 expansion that's about to cost $10 billion, was being sued, has a lot of pushback against it. The Loop uh, 610 to Cambridge and the Ship Channel Bridge, which they're trying to build these two massive superstructure bridges that are going to carry all these people out through one of the most like expanse of, of highway towards like Texas City and stuff like that. A lot of these projects are going to go till mid 2025, 2026. And it's all about expansion. And it seems the more we expand within a five year period, we realize there are more cars on the road. We realize that there needs to be another five year project to expand the highway. When does this like cycle end? And we decide that maybe it's time to offer people alternatives. Never. Unfortunately, <laughs> there like it's always going to be expanding as much as we hate this construction. It is so imperative that we are ahead of it, right? Like you think about a city like Austin, right? Like had so much growth. They never planned for it. Their traffic is terrible there. And it seems like they're reacting. What I like about these projects, I don't like the construction. I don't like the traffic. I hate the delays. I hate the closures and all that. But at least we're thinking a little bit ahead, right? Like, yes, even in five years, it might be outdated, but at least we're thinking ahead and we're getting ahead of this big population boom that is going to be coming, right? Like all signs are pointing to more people moving, not only in this area, but in Texas in general. So I like that we're thinking and yeah, it sucks to deal with it at times <laughs> and the closures suck. And I wish there was other ways as well. Like we had better public transport connecting these suburbs to the city. And once you get in the city, it's more connected as well and it's better to take, but we're just not there. We're a car society, AK, and that it sucks, but that's what it is. I completely understand trying to get ahead of the curve on the massive influx of people that are trying to come here for our sweet, sweet cost of living, low cost of living. I get that, but I just feel like we are in the process of getting diminishing returns. I mean, you remember the I-45 lawsuit when they were trying to speak of that expansion. A lot of people were saying, this highway is going to cut through our homes. Like, how much further do you want to cut through our living spaces at some point to make it comfortable for cars? I think there needs to be a conversation. I know that the, our transportation department has changed recently. There's been a lot more diversity added, and I really appreciate that. But I think we need to be a little more creative and maybe a little more gentle. We should at least allow the drivers that we have 
pathways through this city that allows them a little bit of comfort, that lowers the fear that a lot of people, you've encountered this, Rahil, there's a lot of paranoia out there about road rage, about a lot of different things that could happen on the road because of how upset people are when they do get on them. I just feel we need to give people a couple of options where they are comfortable on the road. They are not hitting any bumps. They are not hitting any construction. But that's what the construction is there for, right? Is like to add more lanes is hopefully to ease some of that. But you're right. Like there's still going to be more people. One lane, how much is that really going to change? But even if it changes it by 5%, I'm with (laughs) it. I know a lot of people don't like hearing that. I drive a lot. I am uh, one of those guys who drive in from the suburbs to the city. And when I'm here... I use the roads, all that stuff, and I hate the traffic. I hate the construction. But if that means that maybe, you know, five years from now that it's a little bit better, right? Like think about the I-10 project. That was one of the the biggest projects. And now I-10 is a pretty cool freeway to take. You really don't get that much traffic out of rush hour because rush hour is different. A lot of people are on the road at the same time. And they expanded that so much that you've got room now. So hopefully these projects complete, but that 45 project is another 10 years. That thing's going to be under construction through downtown for the next 10 years easily. I actually, I like the optimism. I I use that Loop 610 and I-69 interchanger a lot. It is one of the scariest splits that I have. Getting stuck on the wrong lane as, and you're like, oh no, I'm going to 610 now and I can't get out. I, I Now that that might be fixed, uh, makes me happy. Gave me a little bit of joy when I was reading the story. So I completely understand this optimism. And I hope, I hope, I hope it is that way. I hope we get more I-10 projects. You're absolutely right. Okay, my biggest story, AK, this is going back to 2021 with the tragic winter Yuri storm. Well, we have a major update from that. The Houston Appeals Court ruled that wrongful death, personal injury, and property damages cases against large power generators have no basis in law or fact. Now, this decision, according to legal experts, will lead to the dismissal of power generators such as NRG, Semper Energy, all the big names from hundreds of lawsuits filed by those impacted by Winter Storm Uri in February of 2021. And that ruling is a huge blow to thousands of victims and their families who filed lawsuits claiming negligence and gross negligence by hundreds of energy companies for failing to winterize and maintain their equipment, failing to supply electricity to the power grid by not securing adequate fuel supply, and then failing to properly train workers to ensure against the generator outages that occurred during the winter storm that led to so many deaths. And this comes from the Houston Chronicle. And the reason I'm bringing this story to the table is that are we going to have accountability for what happened in 2021? And it looks like this is a big blow when it comes to accountability, at least to the large power generators. Uh, This is so upsetting, especially in a private grid system like we have here in Texas. There needs to be this accountability. The reason the rest of the country all have their power come through the federal government is because there's accountability with the federal government. If the federal government fails, that is is voters being able to demonstrably change. As a collection of private entities holding our power hostage, and then not being able to vote them out because they are not the federal government. And then beyond that, not even being able to use the regular ways we can to manage these private entities is wild to me. That means that they're untouchable. And I, I'm i really speechless about this story. This is so tragic. I know so many people who have 
not been able to repair their homes past Yuri, have not been able to recover past that winter winter storm still. I, I've heard of towns that have still been under a lot a lot of stress and pressure since that storm. And we're almost two years away from it to now lose your one avenue of possibly getting something out of it is really, really sad. Yeah, lawyers are still going back and forth to see if they're going to appeal this or what the next steps are. But this is a major blow. And yeah, you know, we're already having, you know, ERCOT spokespeople say that, hey, this winter could be kind of wild. We don't know if we can have enough power generation. And then they're saying, oh, actually, we will. And Governor Abbott saying, no, we're going to be fine. But you know, when you look at industry insiders, uh, like we've had Lauren on before, there are others out there as well. Everyone's like, this could be a sketchy winner again, because ERCOT really hasn't done anything. And this is going to be wild to watch, man. But it's just heartbreaking to see that decision from the Houston Appeals Court. Yeah, no basis in law or fact is crazy. I, w- I would love to hear a legal expert explain to me how this this negligence is somehow has no basis in law or fact. That is a, a wild statement. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, AK, let's get some rapid fire stories, okay? And yeah, we will be picking our Houston person of the year. But I want to start with two other stories quickly before we get to that. How's that for a tease, AK? (laughs) So Texas is the third worst state for drinking and driving, according to a new report by Forbes Advisor. 42.37% of all traffic deaths in Texas are caused by drunk drivers. The state also had the third highest rate of underage drunk drivers involved in fatal car crashes, which is about 0.94 per 100,000 licensed drivers. Now, if those stats aren't scary enough, there are nearly 340 DUI arrests made per 100,000 licensed drivers. Again, these are licensed drivers, okay? And five people are killed in car crashes involving a drunk driver for less than every 100,000 Texans, according to this report. I mean, just sad, sad stuff here. And yeah, we could be blaming local officials and government. I think this story is all about personal responsibility more than anything. Like we need more personal responsibility as Houstonians, as Texans, and as humans in general, like these numbers are way too high. I actually have a personal story. A year and a half ago, two years, I was driving back to my home from work. It was New Year's. It was cold as heck. It was 1 a.m. It just passed New Year's. I was at work. I didn't get to enjoy it. I was sad. I wanted to go home and just 
eat and watch TV. And five minutes on the turn to enter my house, a drunk driver rolls up behind me on a red light and like takes me all the way out. My car got totaled. I, I spent an entire six months trying to litigate that case, trying to get some money back so I could get another car. Like these things, even at not the worst case scenario, it is really life-changing for a person. I had to go see so many doctors. I've had to do so much physical therapy past that accident. Uh, like it is life-changing at every point when you encounter a, a drunk driver on the road and they put your life at risk. And yeah, a car is one of the most dangerous things in the world. And in America, where we are a car-centric society, it's one of the highest death rates. And yeah, I definitely agree. It yeah, we really need to clean that up. And just to see those numbers from Texas alone, right? And of course, these are just anecdotes, right? Like every, seems like every morning we wake up and there's somebody going on the wrong side of the road and they were drunk or a drunk driver breaks a red light and kills four people, right? Like it just, it's heartbreaking and you're right not even just a fatal side of it, which is the ultimate, right? And you just think about how many people that impacts, not only the person who passed away tragically, but also their family, their friends, but also just accidents like yours, like how devastating that is and how stressful it is because of someone's personal responsibility was not taken seriously. And the negligence of that is heartbreaking. Okay, how about an uplifting story here, AK? The Houston Housing Authority is going to deploy a new $5 million program that will help families access better neighborhoods that have more job opportunities, lower crime rates, and better schools. The HHA, which is the Houston Housing Authority, which provides homes and services more than 60,000 low-income Houstonians, including more than 19,000 families with housing vouchers, have been funded this grant, a national grant that's going to help an additional 1,000 families in need of affordable housing. And this is such a good story here. Not only are they going to be using this to get families in the better neighborhoods, but they are also going to be hiring six new staff members, and they're going to provide up to $600 per family in moving expenses and up to $1,700 in security deposits, which could be the big difference in getting a place or not getting a place. And then they're also going to uh, provide incentives to landlords to encourage them to rent to low-income families so we can start closing this gap and provide more opportunities. And I love programs like this, AK. I just want to start on this, that if this works... And this $5 million shows that it has impacted our society at a 10x return or 20x return or whatever it is, then we need to be spending more on programs like this and we can justify that cost. I 100% agree. As many programs as possible. If we can see a positive impact from this, which I believe listening to your podcast, I've, I've heard experts say that low-income housing can help us positively impact, one, the families that are in need of housing, that are living paycheck to paycheck on, on rentable places or in, incapable of living anywhere on their own. And so they're having to share with other family members that they have. And also it helps uh, open up the pathway to help with our homeless situation. There have been so many experts that have talked about the fact that because of Houston's expanse, because of Houston's lack of zoning laws, we have an ability, and if we have the correct foresight, we could eliminate homelessness from Houston altogether. We could have the chance to. We have a much brighter chance than other cities. And I think that if this project proves right, 
this should be something that our new mayor elect should dump as much money into as possible because it will only help our city thrive, look better to the to the rest of the world, help us grow more, help us seem like the city of the future that all of our own citizens believe it is. I love that. I love that. Okay, AK, usually the last few minutes I give our guest a space to get something off their chest or gripe, but I want to scratch that because I want to get your opinion on who is our person of the year, okay? We're just going to throw some names out. We'll discuss it and then we can pick one. I know we're going to leave some people off, so please message us on Instagram at CityCastHouston if you want to nominate somebody. I'm going to start this off, AK, and you tell me, okay? Mayor Turner, what do you think? Our exiting former Mayor Turner, in the last year of his administration, I guess, he he was able to get the land bridge opened. He was able to create more deals. He was able to grow the green industry in Houston while secretly dealing with a pretty severe illness. He is a pretty big contender. I mean, we've had a very long time of getting used to Mayor Turner being the head and the face of the city of Houston. But I think we're entering a new era. And so if we want to look a little back nostalgically, I would say Mayor Turner has a place. But also some people would argue that the biggest gripe with picking Mayor Turner is that he is exiting. We, we're opening uh, a new pathway for Houstonians to think about what their city could look like in the future. It is a 2023 award. To be fair, it's just for this year, right? Like we're just picking the person of the year. And yeah, what, you know, everything you laid out, Mayor Turner could be a good one. Here's another one that I think is a really good one. And she came on strong in the last quarter. And that's KPRC Channel 2's investigative reporter, Amy Davis. And the reason I'm nominating her is the water billing issue has impacted a lot of Houstonians. It has caused a lot of heartache for Houstonians because of those water bills. And if she doesn't go viral calling out Mayor Turner at that event and he gets mad at her, I don't know if there is a big response to fixing the water billing issue from city council and from the mayor's office itself. And we had Amy Davis on the podcast. Maybe I'm being a little biased here, but that was one of the biggest stories of the year. And she really captured it again in the final quarter. And I'm nominating Amy Davis. I think actually Amy Davis is the biggest counterpoint to Mayor Turner, because if it wasn't for her phenomenal work, uh, you're correct. Like, I don't know if Mayor Turner would have paid attention in a year where he was feeling like he was sailing off into the sunset, feeling like he's accomplished everything he's ever wanted to accomplish, while thousands of Houstonians were were being bombarded by unfair water bills on a constant basis. So, like, Amy Davis is a great counterpoint to Mayor Turner being person yeah. of the year. And I actually don't have a lot of gripes with her being the person of the year. She's from our city. She represents our city well. She's everything we want out of someone who represents our city, someone who takes everything that happens to us seriously and takes it with diligence. Like, I don't see any faults with Amy Davis, to be honest, as our choice. I think an easy one to pick would be uh, Beyonce. Beyonce, mm. uh, I know this, this 2023 has been the year of Taylor Swift, for sure. But I do not think that Beyonce had been far behind in that. I think the Renaissance tour has been massive. When she came home, she put a true showstopper. Some people might feel that she doesn't use all the power and influence and wealth that she has, uh, maybe to support all the causes that she could be supporting 
She is a Houstonian, but there are enough gripes back and forth. I mean, she does not live in Houston anymore. She is not in in the mud with us. She's not in the cut with all of us here. And so and so it might feel strange to do so. Yeah, that's the one. That's the thing, right? Like she doesn't live here anymore. So our, she is from Houston and she represents Houston a lot, which we love, but do we do we count her, right? And that's that's the tough point. How about Bun B, right? Trill Burgers was a huge success this year. Yes. That was one of the biggest stories in food. And he always puts on for the city. Bun B would be another one. Um, here's some other ones, AK. D'Amico Ryans, the head coach for the Houston Texans. Sports fans are in love with him right now because he has turned this whole team around. They're in the contention for the playoffs, which is unbelievable after last year. That's another one. I still think we're living in a fever dream that the that the Texans are good. I think we're all going to wake up and it's not going to be real because I, I, I don't understand what type of magic this man has pulled to make this happen. Hey, he's got a defense that's playing really well. Okay, my last one, and it doesn't always have to be positive, by the way, the person of the year, right? Mike Miles, the HISD superintendent, which has gathered all headlines, positive or negative, and no, regardless how you feel about him, he has been one of the people that we've talked about the most. We've interviewed him on the podcast, back in the news again for overspending to start the beginning of the year, right? We've seen that story as well. But Mike Miles could be the person of the year, and it might not be for positive things. That is fair. I would put Mike Miles in that same iffy category in my mind as Mayor Turner. But yes, you don't have to be the most positively impactful person to Houston to be its person of the year, to be what represents maybe what's going wrong with our city. But man, I know we're not voting right now, but Amy Davis is such a good pick. It just fulfills all the broad strokes of what you want to fully represent your city. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I'm making my vote right here, Rahil. Oh, there you go. One for Amy Davis. Let us know what you feel, okay? Let us know on Instagram at CityCastHouston. We also have an email and phone number in our show notes that you can contact us with. We do read those messages. So send us somebody that we missed. Or if we talked about the person you want to vote for, let us know. We just want to kind of understand where everybody's leaning. AK, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. It was a blast. That was AK Al Moment with me, Raheel Ramzanali. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. 